forward to this time with you. Um, praise Lord. You, you want to stay up here for a few minutes? All right. We're gonna, we'll sing a song before I speak. But I have my wife share. You want to share? Take your time. I thought you meant we were going to sing a song before I speak. We, we do have a song, but we're, we're waiting we're waiting to later to, exp, you know, to bring it up. Well, it's great to be here with Pastor Josie. She's uh, been a long time, as you heard, a long time friend. And um, it's great to be here with her. I know it was uh, one of those things that we could not get around to getting over here. <laughs> and so finally, we're here, and it just feels good to be here with you. And we're, we were expecting God to do great things this weekend. Um, we knew that the opposition was for a reason, you know, that God wants to do something great here in your cities. And uh, we are trusting and believing God that uh, we're just going to come put a stone upon what's already been being laid. We are called to be expert builders. You know, Paul talked about that in the Bible, that he said that he laid a foundation of Jesus Christ, that as we build upon that, even to this day, that as we build upon that, it's going to be tested with a fire. And what remains will be glory to God. But how we build is so important. How we build our churches, how we build the kingdom of God. Each and every one of us are called to be kingdom builders. I am a kingdom builder, and I want to build right. I want to know my tools. I, know, I want to know the blueprints. We're, we're right in the midst of a building project. Uh, the Mother Church, we have been in the desert for a little over a year now. And uh, we were real comfortable there in our beautiful building that we had there in La Puente, but God said it's time to move. It's time for you to go on a journey, on your own journey. And we stepped out in faith, and we trusted God, and we said, we, we know that you're calling us, God. We know that you want us to take this journey. And uh, in the natural, that could seem kind of strange. You know, why would you leave that big building? You had it all. You know, people die. You know, they're like, where, you know, pastors are looking for buildings all the time. And here we are in this big building. But God had other plans for us. So we stepped out in faith, and it has been so good for us as a people. It's drawn us closer together. It's made us work hard together. It, I mean, it's just has done something so good inside of all of us and all, all of our people because the building is not the church. We, we are the church. We are the church. It's the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We together are the church. And I'm just so excited what God is doing in our church. We um, have our foundation that's laid now, the cement. The walls are looking to go up next week. And, and it seemed like forever. But we cannot wait to see those walls go up. There's something about being homeless <laughs> where you're borrowing, you know, we've been having school at, Ontario, I mean, uh, not school, we've been having church at Ontario High School, and uh, it's been a challenge for everyone because we go and set up every Sunday, early in the morning, all the sound, the decor, and, you know, it, it has been such a challenge for us, but it's been good for us. It's taught us how to work harder. It's taught us how to care for the people, not based on the surroundings, but because people are coming in that we want to be the church to them. And um, we're just excited about building right now. And that is my prayer, that I want to be an expert builder. I want God to make me an expert builder, that when people come in, that we're able to help build them. Because the church is the people. And we're just so excited to be here with you this morning. And uh, God bless you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Once again, it's good to be with you all this, this morning. Um, 
you know, we've been uh, building this building. It's been a it's been a challenge. It's been a big challenge for us um, to to build this building that we're building. But I'll tell you, um, God's been faithful, and God continues to be faithful. We're looking forward to as we as we continue to. Uh, you know, build this building. We're hoping and praying that we'll be in there by somewhere, somewhere around Easter. That's what we're praying for. So keep us in prayer that nothing stops the flow of our process, that we continue to build, that we continue to see the finances come in and continue the process of building this brand new building. Amen? We're looking forward to that. Uh, this morning, I, I, I hope that you came here hungry. I know that some of you have been on a fast and, uh, Today is the day where you're off, I heard, right? Amen. Josie saw that, that bagels, and she goes, I'm off my fast. Oh. <laughs> she, she forgot almost that she was off her fast, and she was looking at the bagels like, I can't eat that. I can't. Like She was so programmed for all these weeks, I guess. And then she goes, oh, I could do it. <laughs> she that, I saw her get into that bread, and she looked, made it look so good. Praise the Lord. Amen. Some of you last night at 12 midnight <laughs> calling for pizza, extra cheese, extra sauce, extra meat. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> now you're feeling it today. <laughs> but praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're on fire and we're ready for more. Amen. Ready for more food from heaven. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand right now. Lift your hands. And I know that you haven't been fasting for no reason. You haven't been praying for no reason. You're believing God for breakthroughs. You're believing God to go to the next level. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Going to the next level. Going to the next level. Lead us in a worship song. Come on. Lift your hands. Yes. It's our God. Sing with me. Worship him in your own words. Come on and worship him. 
Oh, thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his greatness. Thank him, Lord. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give you praise, Lord. We give you glory, God. You're worthy, Lord Jesus. We give you all the honor, all the glory, God. Give you all the praise, Lord. Have your way, Lord Jesus. Have your way, my God. Move in a special way, Lord. Move in a special way, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now go ahead and praise Him. Praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team. Praise the Lord. It's good to be here this morning, and it's good to see some of the pastors coming from different parts of the area over here. And um, it's good to be with Sister Josie, Pastor Josie. I can always say Sister Josie, but Pastor Josie, doesn't matter either way. Um, it's good to be here with family. This is what we have family all over the world. I just recently came back from uh, Venezuela. We were there in Caracas, Venezuela, for the Mighty Men of Valor. Uh, me and my dad and Pastor Rick Alanis and Pastor Tom Vasquez and Pastor Chewy Figueroa and uh, Luis, Pastor Luis from Eagle Rock. We all went down together and we had a powerful time. Men from all over South America came out. We had about 700 men on the first night came out. Man, it was exciting to see what God is doing throughout South America. Amen. And some of the people from Curacao came and also from Aruba. And we have family literally all over the world, all over the world, uh, from Chile to Colombia, Bogota, Colombia, Caracas, Venezuela, uh, from Brazil. I mean, everywhere. God is raising up people. And there's still more souls to be won. There's still more cities to be taken. There's still more churches to be planted. There's still more bases to be established. There's so many great things that God wants to do, and you are part of it. You can either sit back and watch, or you can be a participant. I believe I'm talking to participants today. Um, I believe I'm talking to world shakers and history makers in this room. And that's why I've come this week, and I, I was looking forward to this opportunity. Because every time I come to Hayward, I believe there's deposits that are made. I believe there's deposits that are made. There's connections that are made. There's relationships that are, are continuing to grow uh, with us. And there's, there's a relationship that goes back a long way. Even with Pastor Steve, we all loved Pastor Steve, and we still look forward to seeing him, you know, later on when we go to heaven, amen, because what a, what a man of God he was, and what a great ministry he established. Here in Hayward and all over the world, you see, you see uh, the remnant of what he left behind, amen, and, and it continues to go forward, amen. There in Cape Town, it's powerful what's taking place. Ooh. What a powerful, powerful uh, legacy he's left, and there's still more. There's still more to be left behind for this next generation. I want you to get your Bibles with me and turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. Isaiah, chapter 43. Now, how many of you are leaders? Oh, just raise your hand and wave at me. You're a leader, some type of leader. Okay. How many of you aspire to be in leadership some, of some sort? Okay. That's good. And the rest of you that didn't raise your hand, you are a leader whether you know it or not. I believe everybody that, that chose Christ, 
that chose to follow Jesus, I believe everybody is a leader. Because there's somebody that you know that doesn't know Jesus. And you are called to lead them. Lead them to Christ. Lead them in some way, shape, or form. If you're the first in your family to be saved, you are called to lead your family to Christ. So there's nobody that's not a leader. If you're a father, you're a leader. If you're a mother, you're a leader. So we're all leaders or potential leaders if you have none of the above. If you're not saved, well, then you get saved today. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 43, we're talking about taking it to the next level. I'm going to just bring out three main points and a few other things this morning. 43 verse 18. You have it? It says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. Thank you for this opportunity to minister to brothers and sisters and to leaders, Lord. Leaders that are thinking big. Leaders that are thinking beyond uh, the ordinary, God. We want to move in extraordinary ways. We want to think outside the box. We want to do great works for your glory, for your honor. We weren't created to be ordinary. We were created to be like you. Extraordinary, Lord. I thank you, God, for the opportunity, Lord, to be used in this time, this era, this day and hour that we are in right now, when the world seems to get, be getting more crazy, God is raising up a people, Victory Outreach, that know how to get violent and take it by force. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell the person next to you, say, you're called to be great. You're called to take it to the next level. You may be seated. I want to encourage you today. You know, sometimes we could get rebuked. <laughs> Sometimes we get exhorted. Sometimes we're told a message that really convicts and pretty much almost condemns us. But today, what I want to do is some find a way to inspire you, some, some, somehow encourage you, somehow let you know that God has great things for you, even if you don't feel like it. Because how many of you know what you feel like doesn't really matter? It's the facts that really matter. We need to, first of all, think of this. We need, to, we need to trade the old for the new. We got a new assignment in this day and hour. Every day is a new day. Every day is a new day. And the first thing I want to bring out is we got to be a, have illumination. Illumination. There's three I's I'm going to bring out. Illumination, impartation, and inspiration. Impartation, inspiration. Illumination, impartation, and inspiration. Illumination is the first thing, and illumination due to the fact that God loves us and knows us and has definitely called us. Illumined, what illumination really means is enlightened, where we're able to be illumined to the fact that God loves us, he knows us by name, and he has definitely called us, called us by name. The Bible says, I will go before you, make the crooked places straight. I'll break in pieces, get to bronze, cut the bars of iron. I'll give you treasures of darkness, hidden riches of secret places that you may know that I, who, God who called you by name. I'm the God of Israel that called you by name. He called us by name. He's raising us up by name. Each, every one of us have a calling upon our lives. See, illumination from God 
by his word and by his spirit. Enlightened by God firsthand. In other words, you've got to have a revelation that God has called us. A firsthand revelation. Hearing it from somebody else and maybe somebody telling you you're called is one thing. Or going to church and hearing it in a general audience like this, hearing that you're called and everyone with you that you're sitting by, that they're called, is one way. But when you get alone with God in your prayer closet or during a, a season of fasting and prayer, and God begins to speak directly to you, you begin to realize, I'm called by you, God. I'm not called by my pastor. I'm not called by the founder of Victory Outreach. I'm not called by my regional leader. I'm not called by my wife or my husband. I'm called by God. When you begin to get that revelation and it begins to get really ingrained inside you, you begin to realize, I'm called to a high calling. And my calling is unto the Lord. And everything I do is unto him. See, what you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. You know, Moses thought too little of himself. Moses had a problem of insecurity. He had a low self-image. He was in slavery for all those years, or he was actually under that, you know, Pharaoh regiment all those years. And then God calls him. God calls him to be the deliverer. And he said things like, like, I can't speak. I'm not eloquent. Please send someone else. Exodus, you'll find that in Exodus chapter 4, you find his responses. Exodus chapter 4, 10, it says, he basically says, I'm not eloquent. And also, I can't speak. And in 4, 13, he says, send someone else. How many of you have ever been there before? Thinking, I can't do it. I'm not, I don't have much to offer. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not that good looking. People don't want to spend time think, listening to me. I mean, I don't even look good. I'm, I haven't had a good past. All these things, all these excuses we could bring before God, but God says, I still called you. I still anointed you. I still separated you. You may not be that articulate today. You may not be that eloquent today. You may not even look that good today, but I'm going to make something good out of what seems to be no good. I make the wise people out of foolish things. <laughs> foolishness. Out of foolishness, you, becomes, you become to confound the wise. Amazing. It's amazing. God raises up the foolishness of the world to confound the wise. What you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. But we see how Moses, until he had that real experience, a burning bush experience, and he began to really feel that calling within himself, then he was able to believe that he could do it. It wasn't, it wasn't really believing only in himself. He was believing in God, that God is able to do it through him. And that's what you got to get a revelation of. But Paul, on the other hand, began to think too much of himself. Especially when, before he really, you know, had that experience the, uh, on the horse, when he knocked off the horse. He thought he knew it all. He thought he knew it all until Jesus had a confrontation with him. We all know the story in Acts chapter, chapter 9, when he got knocked off his high horse. He, would, he, was a, he had all the knowledge in the world. But until Jesus had a confrontation with him, until he became blinded, and he, began, he had to go to the Damascus, Damascus experience. He was self-confident. Then it became God-confident. So whatever side of the spectrum you come from, real confident or not confident at all, we all got to go through the process of a stripping process, stripping down who we are and allowing God to clothe us with his, his uh, power and his anointing, his enablement. We all need God. 
even if you have a lot of knowledge, it's no good without God's anointing. It's no good without God's wisdom. You can have a lot of knowledge but not know how to apply that knowledge. And real knowledge applied in the right way is wisdom. And that's where God wants to give all of us. With great wisdom comes great leadership. Great leadership, great wisdom. See, both were stripped. Moses, before his burning bush experience, he was stripped down. He was, he was, a, he was a leader in Egypt, but then he got stripped down after he, had a, after he left, after the murder. He left and he got stripped down from all of his education, all of his thought, all of his life that he had, the best education in Egypt. But after he ended up in the desert for so long, he ended up getting that burning bush experience and realizing, I have nothing to offer. I'm nothing. And some of us come from good backgrounds, possibly good backgrounds, maybe have a good education. Others come from really bad backgrounds, don't have that much. You came in, to the, you barely slipped through the doors of Victory Outreach. Into the home, you were messed up, tore up from the floor up, wrecked up from the neck up, you know all this. <laughs> Cracked up from the back up, I don't know how they say it. But <laughs> everything Victory Outreach is about, you were a perfect candidate for Victory Outreach. But we're living in another generation where we have some kids growing up in the ministry as well. We have a lot of people that didn't come from those backgrounds. So we have a good mix, a good combination of some real old school and a lot of new school. But we got to learn to find the good in each, in each school. Learn to combine the goods of each school. So what I like about the old school is they have heart. I like about the old school is they're willing to give it all up. They're willing to sacrifice, willing to lay it all down for the kingdom of God. Some things about the new school I don't like is there's that, that willingness to sacrifice sometimes. They have a lot of things going for them. They're looking for the bottom line all the time. So what am I going to get out of it? When the old school said, I, I just want to serve Jesus. But then on the other hand, the old school didn't have a lot of education or a lot of knowledge. And sometimes they ran out of gas because they weren't able to, able to feed themselves, weren't able to equip themselves or, or have the understanding to, to get the words that they needed, to get the uh, knowledge they needed to get. To continue to last. But then others were able to do that. And they were able to last the long haul. And we see that with a lot of our elders and a lot of our leaders that are still here today. We see God's faithfulness upon their lives. And some of the other ones that are newer, they have a lot of education, a lot of knowledge. And they're learning to seek God for the anointing with that. And that's what makes them even more powerful. They're able to take from the old and glean from the old and take more of God. And they're able to use it for his glory and for his honor. Now, how do you see yourself today? How do you see yourself today? The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks, so is he. As a man thinks, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. You see, if you think negative, you're going to be negative. If you think of yourself as a loser, most likely you're going to be a loser. If you think of yourself as a backslider, you're going to have a problem with backsliding. If you think of yourself as useless, most likely you're going to be useless. If you think of yourself as good for nothing, pretty much, you're going to remember. You, you, have you ever been told by your parents, I'm, you're good for nothing? All right? Anybody? I was told that. <laughs> I don't think it was too positive, but that's what they passed down to my mom probably, her parents. And they told her that, so she told me that when I, was doing, when I didn't do good. And see, that's something that it could be ingrained in our minds, and then when we look at ourselves in the mirror, 
and say, you're good for nothing. You start telling yourself that. And the more you tell yourself negative things, the more you're going to begin to act out those negative thoughts. How do you see yourself? I should say you should, you should switch that negative to a positive. Remember, what you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. The positive thinks the other way. I'm a winner. I'm going to make it. I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to be useful. I'm good for something. I'm good for something. God didn't put me here for nothing. I'm good for something. I got to make something of this life that God gave me. He gave me an extension on life for a reason. He gave me extension. I should have been dead. I should have been lost. I should have been out there. I should have been in jail. I mean, all the things that you could have been, but God, by his mercy and by his grace, gave you an extension on life, and he did it for a reason. You got to start believing that. Every day, even though it's been a long time since you got saved, you got to remember the day you got saved. Remember, there was a reason behind that. There was a reason behind that, and it's for me to do something for his glory, something for his honor. I'm a man. I'm a woman of God. That's you got to start thinking. Start quoting that. I'm called of God. See, I'm talking about being illumined to that fact, enlightened to that fact, not just on one day when you got called, when you got an altar call and someone prophesied over you, but you got to begin to quote that over and over and you get it in your system. Every day you wake up with a mission in mind, I'm called of God. I'm called to do something great for God. And start enjoying that call. Start walking in that call. Start walking in the love of God. Start walking in the spirit of God. Start looking for opportunities to be used of God. That's the joy of the journey of faith. See, that, that's what brings joy to me, is when I serve God with that attitude in mind that I'm called of God. See, uh, there was a, a person that we all heard of before, Donnie Osmond. Do you ever heard of him? <laughs> you know, that he talked about that he was paralyzed by fear. <laughs> he thought people were making fun of him at one time. And he would always have a hard time coming out because he thought people were making fun of him. He went through a, a season of thinking everybody's making fun of him, paralyzed by fear. But yet he was an entertainer that had a lot of, you know, recognition. But we didn't know behind the scenes that he was going through this paralyzation of fear. And there's people that go through that all the time. Some of you are paralyzed by fear. You're not stepping out because you're paralyzed by fear. You're not stepping out into the fullness of the calling of God. You're partially in the calling, but you're not stepping out into the fullness of the calling of God because fear is holding you back. What if I fail? What if I make a mistake? What if I cause, cause a problem? What if, what if I don't make it? What if I let people down? Listen, what if you let people up? What if you do succeed? What if you do make a difference? What if something great happens? Start thinking that way. Switch your thinking to positive. What if I become a great preacher? What if I become a great singer? What if I open up a Bible study and it begins to grow? What if I begin to open up a ministry that's so new but so relevant to the time that we're in for people that are in the streets right now? Something that's a great need. What if I do something like that? And what if something does happen? What if God opens up a ministry of... They're in East L.A., fills it with drug addicts, see their families saved. What if that happened? What if God begins to grow that little church and multiply that church? And what if I begin to speak 
that some of you are going to be pastors and evangelists and prophets and missionaries. What would happen? Look at today. Here we are. Because someone started thinking big. Someone was illumined to the fact that he's called of God and called by name to reach treasures out of darkness. And believed that God is able to raise up a lighthouse that could be seen around the world. Powerful. I began to look back and I look at all the miracles God's done in our ministry and it builds my faith. That's why I'm able to stand here confident and tell you God is great. God is good. I'm able to say I'm living, I'm a living example of God's greatness because I was very shy. I was very timid. I didn't like to talk. Even if I was real hungry, I didn't call for pizza. <laughs> I mean, I was very shy. I mean, my parents introduced me to people. I would look away. I would just kind of, I mean, my kids are much better than I am. Well, I was at least when I was their age. At least they say hi. <laughs> I would just like be so shy. I didn't want to look at you. But how God is able to turn something around and give me a Holy Ghost boldness to look you in the face and tell you God is great, to tell you God has called you. I used to sit in the pew thinking, how can my dad, how could I ever do what my dad does? I can never do that. I was like a Moses. I thought too little of myself. I thought I couldn't do it. And so God gave me a revelation when I separated, when I was fasting, when I was praying. I said, God, I am nothing without you. I need you to know that you called me by name. And when I get, began to pray like that, he began to show me a vision. Show me a vision of something I thought I could not do. He showed me a vision of the masses, of different colors, different internationals, uh, different nations, I should say. Nationals from different places. And I'm telling you, it had me speaking in front of all these people with miracles taking place. And all these years, no, I was 19 years old, 20 years ago, later I began to see it happen, even to the point where it's still unfolding today when I was in Venezuela, speaking before all those hundreds of people and seeing those lives changed. The vision still is coming to pass. What God shows you, he will fulfill it. What God speaks to you, he wants to perform it. But you got to believe it. You have to believe it. What has God called you to do? What has God told you about yourself? Think about it for a minute. What has God called you to do? How do you see yourself? What do you see for yourself? Do you see for yourself a productive life? Do you see for yourself a prosperous future? Or do you see a life of defeat, a discouragement, discontentment, a lot of disses? How many of you, you got to start changing the disses to we can, I can, we can do this, to change it around and lose the diss and get the contentment, get the courage, get all these things that God has offered to you and begin to believe it about yourself. And about what God has for you. How does God see you? You're covered by the word. You're covered by the blood. You're redeemed by the blood of the lamb. We need to view ourselves through God's lenses, not our own. Some people view you a certain way. And you believe how they view you. Stop looking through their eyes. Start looking through God's. So the devil wants to bring you down. And sometimes he uses good people to show you some things about yourself that you don't need to know. Or you don't need to hear it because you already know them. You don't need to be amplified or, or things don't need to be blown up about your bads because you already know what they are. You need to start working on those areas at the same time. Start building on the good that you have. And start 
start living up to what God has called you to live up to. And little by little, those things that are not good in you will begin to dissolve as you give your heart fully to Jesus. Amen? Come on, clap. Go ahead and clap. Everybody, clap. Save for a purpose and a divine destiny. He sees the start. See, God sees the start. Remember this. God sees like we don't see. See, we can see in three dimensions, right? Three-dimensional or whatever. You can see three. But God sees before, beyond that. He sees in time as a big eternity. He sees the whole spectrum from past to present to the great future ahead. He knows what you could become. He knows what he's designed you for. But he's also given you a choice. You get a choice to make. Either choosing him or choosing what you want. You see, he sees a start. He sees the continuance of the process. And he also sees the finished product. He sees it all in one glance. Powerful God. He's omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. He's all of those things. He's all powerful. He's all seeing. He's all knowing. He's everywhere at once. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what he has designed for you tomorrow. He knows the great plans he has for you. He has a great plan for you to prosper. He has good things planned for you, a future and a hope. He hasn't planned evil for you. He hasn't planned for you to fail. He's planned for you to prosper. Come on, somebody. Even in a down society, in a down economy, he still has his open windows for you. As you sow and as you sow and as you sow, those windows are still open for you. And even at a time when it's not a good time to build, we're still building. You're still building. We're going to see these projects complete. And you know why? Because God, people are going to be hurting out there and the church is going to be there to help them. We're going to be there to meet the needs. Hopefully it doesn't get worse, the economy. But if it does, God's economy never runs dry. And I'm not worried about it. I know God's going to be faithful. Because he's been faithful since the beginning. And he'll continue to be faithful to his own people. See, he's the God of my economy. He has unconditional, limitless love for each of us. Unconditional and limitless love for each and every one of us. Uncond- you know what unconditional means? He means it means when, when you begin to see somebody fail you over and over, you, you stop loving them eventually. Hello, somebody. But God don't stop loving you even when you fail over and over and over. That's the good news about God. You can let him down over and over and over, but he still loves you. He still loves you. But that love will follow you all the way to hell <laughs> if you don't make your mind up and change. You got to make a choice. Eventually, you say, I repent. I turn from it. But that love continues to be extended until you make that choice to, to accept and receive that love. See, we got to be illumined to the fact that he loves you. He loves you. He loves you more than you even could think of love. More than I could even imagine love. I love my wife. I know she loves me. I love my children. But that love doesn't even compare. It doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of the love that God has for you and love that he has for me. I could never love my wife like God loves her. I could never match that love. I, I, I wish I could get to that point where I could because I want to make sure I'm a good husband. I want to make sure I'm a good man after God's own heart and to be that man I'm called to be. But I can never fully match that love. And I know that. But can you? 
Can we? No. We need to just accept his love. Let it overwhelm us to the point where we begin to say, I could do anything for you, God. You love me so much. A loom into the fact that you love me so much. You rescued me. You saved me. You picked me up when no one else could. You wrapped your loving arms around me for a reason and for a purpose. I want to know what that purpose is. You went out of your way for me, God. And I want to know why you did. I want to fulfill your plan. Illumine to that fact that he loves us, he knows us, and he called us. What does God see for you? So we brought out a few things. How do you see yourself? What do you see for yourself? How does God see you? See how we switched it from you to God? How do you see yourself? What do you see for yourself? But how does God see you? And what does God see for you? So you got to switch it from how do you see it to how does God see it? How do you think it? To how does God think it? How do you plan it to how is God planning it? How your plans may be this, but his plans are this. Your plans are at this level, his plans are at this level. You got to begin to see through the, guys, the eyes of God. And begin to understand that he thinks greater of you than you think of yourself. Most of you don't think as good of yourself as you should. Honestly, come on. I, think, I don't think there's anyone that's super so self-confident that you could do, you know, better than God. God has greater plans that you could even imagine, ask, or think. Sometimes we let this world bring us down. We let our thought life bring us down. We let our mistakes keep us down. We let our past hold us back. We let our failures cause us to be disqualified in our own mind. When God says, I already forgave you for that. I already, let, I already cleansed you from that. You're not that same person no more. Yo, you think like that, man. You need to change that thinking. I've given you my word. I've given you my blessing. I've given you my anointing. I've given you my calling. I've given you good leadership. I've given you everything you need to perform what I've called you to perform. And perfect will is still waiting for you. You're still walking in the permissive will. Step out of the permissive. Step into the perfect. See, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Sometimes it feels evil when you're going through the stripping process. Sometimes it feels the struggle is too great that he couldn't be with you. How could he be so good if I'm going through this great struggle? How could he be so great if I'm going through the hardest time of my life? I've never been through this hard time even when I wasn't saved. Hello, hello, somebody. I mean, I thought I was doing great. I had a new wife. I had new children. But I felt like I was going through the hardest time about four or five years ago. Had a, the biggest church in Victory Outreach. Had all this great opportunity before me. But everything seemed to be collapsing around me. The world was coming against me. The, the enemy was coming against me. There's people, neighbors were coming against me. The church began to come against me. My own family it felt like it was coming against me. But all of it was for a reason, for a process. You see, out of the struggle comes strength. Out of the struggle comes a closer relationship with God. See, from a struggle to a striving. Amen? One day, a man saw a butterfly shuddering on the sidewalk. Locked in a seemingly hopeless struggle to free itself from its now useless cocoon. Feeling pity, 
he took a pocket knife, carefully cut away the cocoon, and set the butterfly free. To his dismay, it lay on the sidewalk, convulsed weakly for a while. It convulsed weakly for a while, and it died. A biologist later, a biologist later told him that was the worst thing you could have done. A butterfly needs the struggle to develop the muscles to fly. By robbing him of the struggle, you made him too weak to live. Sometimes we want someone to rescue us. Sometimes we want someone to pick us up when we feel down. But God says, I'm letting you go through this on purpose. I want you to develop strength in me. I want you to look to me because from this cocoon, you're coming out with wings, baby. You're coming out with wings. You're going to be to flap those wings. You're going to be like an eagle. If you wait upon me, you will ride up wings like an eagle. You will soar above everything that you're seeing happen in your way, go against you. See, adversity, winds of adversity, you can soar above that with the wings like an eagle. But you got to get those eagle eyes. You're going to see what things that God has for you, the vision that God has for you. And even though you may find yourself in a down place, there's a better place for you that God has reserved for you. Amen? So illumined to that fact that he's called you, that he knows you, that he loves you, and he has great plans for you. Secondly, impartation. There's an impartation part. And there's a factor that plays, part, that plays a role here. The Paul-Timothy principle. It goes from someone to someone to many. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Are you still with me? And this is the principle that we see, of the principle of discipleship. That what you have, you are to impart to others. And as you are being imparted to, that you are a channel of impartation as well. You see, it didn't start with just Pastor Sunday Sr. just to end with him. Or to end with this handful of men that he reached in the first generation. He imparted them so they could be imparted to others. Thank God that Pastor Steve left his comfort of staying in East L.A. and working under my dad and said, listen, I got the vision. I want to take it to Hayward or take it up here to where you started in Hayward, right? That's where originally you're here, still here. It's amazing to see how God is, is able to raise up somebody and send him over here and that he was able to raise up others and send him other places. From someone to someone to many. From Pastor Sonny to Pastor Steve to many. From Pastor Sonny to Pastor Ed to many. From Pastor Sonny to, you go on and on, Pastor Mitchell to many. Pastor Sonny to Pastor Sonny Jr. to many. From you to someone to many. The law of reproduction. The law of reproduction. What are you reproducing in someone else? You see, we got to get off our own hangups. Get off our own self-doubt. Get off our own low stoop <laughs> and start thinking big that we're called to do something great. And the things that you have heard from me, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men. See, it was from Paul to Timothy. Now he's saying commit this to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So you're looking for a select group. You're not just looking for any men to teach. You're looking for men who are able to teach others also. I think of Victor Alvarez, you believe in any type of man. 
that's able to talk <laughs> and able to have ears to hear. That's the good thing about Victory Average. We believe in all types, from all walks, from all backgrounds. We don't put a stop on God's uh, calling on anyone. We believe in anybody that's willing to hear, any woman that's willing to listen. And we believe that we're able to teach somebody if they're willing to learn. And I believe that's what we have in this room right now. We have people that are able, able to teach others, able to be imparters. You see, but once again, you got to be illumined. you got to have a firsthand revelation that you're called and that God has called you to impart to someone else. How do you do this? By being an example. By being an example. It's one thing to talk it, another thing to live it. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Timothy 4, 12, it says, Yet let no one despise your youth, but what? Be an example. Paul writing to Timothy. Be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. And he goes on to say, give attention to these things. And what things are we to be an example in? In word. What does the word mean? Not Bible so much as speech. Our speech. What comes out of our mouth. We got to be an example. Sometimes we got to talk less and listen more. Sometimes, the reason why God gave you two ears, you're supposed to listen at least twice as much as you speak. <laughs> Hello, somebody. <laughs> and uh, that tongue sometimes gets really loose. Sometimes you got to lay your tongue on the altar. And say, Lord, sanctify it. <laughs> we, need to let our, we need to lay our tongue down. Say, Lord, sanctify this tongue because sometimes it gets a little bit loose. My speech, help me with my speech. Help me not to say things I don't mean. Help me not to say things out of line. Help me not to talk back. Help me not to talk negative. God, help me to shut up. Shut up. Like Philip LaCruz says. Shut up. Is this my cup? <laughs> I won't go there. I want to say something, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> we'll keep quiet. I know he gets the last word on the mic sometimes. I'm not going to say nothing. All right. What, <laughs> what other things? <laughs> In conduct. What is conduct? Behavior. Your behavior. How do you behave when you're not at church? At church, we all look the best, don't we? We have our cologne on. Her hair looks good. We have mints in our pocket. <laughs> Nicely shaven, looking good, got your best clothes on most of the time. But then when you go home, you let your hair down, you take off your clothes, you put on some sweats, hang out, kicking it. Then your family comes over, and all of a sudden, your good behavior goes out the door, <laughs> and your old nature takes over. <laughs> the old you comes out because you're comfortable in that setting. You got to learn to be, have good behavior at all times. And that's not by living by a strict rule or law, but it's by letting the Spirit of God take over in your life and learning how to walk in the Spirit and have fun in the Spirit. Amen? To have good, clean fun. In other words, you can behave and have a good time when you're behaving good. Some people say it's boring to be good. I, didn't, I, 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 I say that's not true. It is, it is sometimes boring to be bad, too, right? 
And also, you pay a worse price for being bad than you do for being good. <laughs> Amen? It's all in how you view things. It's adventurous to be good for God because there's always some new challenges up ahead. And what other things are we to be good? Are we to be an example okay, in our speech, our conduct? What about in love? In love. We need to be good examples in our love. You know, how are you doing in that area? Do you love the way the Lord wants you to love? Do you care for others the way the Lord wants you to care for others? How are you doing in that category? How about in the spirit? Now, let's look at Proverbs 18, 14, if you have your Bible still. Proverbs 18, 14. It says, but the spirit of the spirit of a man will sustain him in what? In sickness. But who can bear a broken spirit? Your spirit's important to keep intact. It's who you are, really. I mean, it's like how you how you're how you carry yourself and how you how you're living. Is really important. In other words, your attitude. Your attitude is important. Now, the Holy Spirit also helps your spirit to be up. Your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit always helps you to be able to be. It's like being a cleansing stream of fresh air or fresh water to people around you to have a, a good spirit. You ever walk into a room and somebody comes in to that room actually after you and it begins to bring another spirit to that room? Sometimes they bring a bad one. But then someone else comes in and brings a good one. And, you know, what you bring, what do you bring when you come into a room? What type of spirit do you bring? Holy Ghost spirit or a good attitude or do you bring a negative spirit? Do you bring a bad spirit into the room? So you got to take care of your spirit. Take care of that person, that inner person. Now, faith. What other things? Faith. If you an example in faith, different levels of faith. There's little faith. There's big faith. There's other, other ways that we can display our faith. Also, be an example in purity. Purity of thought, purity of word, purity of life, purity in our, in our thought life, purity in our actions. If you're a single person, being pure in the, in the area of sexual thought and all that stuff like that, you got to take, take care of your mind. Don't, don't think along the ways of the, ways of the world. Don't let things come into your mind that are not supposed to be there. And don't, me don't meditate on those thoughts because you could end up acting on those thoughts if you think about them too long. And the, your exampleship goes out the door. And all it takes is one time for a big, um, big problem to enter into your life. And I heard an amen from somebody. So to whom, to whom do we commit or impart these things to? To faithful people. Faithful men, faithful women. As we have been imparted unto, we impart to others by being an example and by having an eye for looking for those, those uh, people that need to have what we have. And there are people all over our church, all around us, that still need to be discipled, that still need to be trained, that still need for an example like you to walk them through the process. Think about it for a minute. How many people are you discipling? Do you know them by name? 
Can you actually quote me the names? Are you committing yourself to faithful people and giving them something that God has given to you? Now, it's one thing to teach them a talent, but it's another thing to teach them principles in the word, principles of discipleship, and also be an example in these things that I mentioned. Judges chapter 2, verse 10. If you could look there real quick. We see that from Moses to Joshua and to no one, it pretty much it went to a blank generation there. Judges 2.10. So the people served the Lord all the day of Joshua. It starts out in verse 7. Then it goes on to verse number 10. When all the, that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Notice that, that they lost something in the third generation. We are in a second generation right now, but it's up to us to take what our first generation had. The faith, the love, the conduct, the spirit, the, unit, the purity, all these things, their speech, we got to take that we got to pass it on to faithful people so we can continue the process of discipleship. We can't lose these certain principles that we've gained throughout these years. we got to value the same values. we got to begin to look to those principles as important principles. And we got to begin to let them become a part of us, not just in mind, but also in life. From Moses to Joshua, until they, and they lost it. They lost it from the next generation. Why? Because they didn't. Get, they didn't take it serious enough, possibly. They didn't have the challenge like Joshua had, possibly. Different reasons possibly came in, and they let the world uh, corrupt their thinking. They let the world crowd their thoughts. We can't let the world take us off track. We can't let the thought life take us off track. we got to stay focused on the plan that God has for our life. we got to go back to the reference that he's called us. He knows us. He has a plan for us. What he thinks of us is greater than we think of ourselves. As we begin to rise up in that, begin to be those people God's called us to be, and begin to walk in that newness of life, walk in the spirit, and walk in the calling of God, and begin to love the calling of God, and join the calling of God, and begin to do the right thing, and live in the right way, and walking in good conduct, walking in the spirit, walking in faith, walking in love. All these things begin to become a part of us. All of a sudden, somebody wants to get something from us. Then we impart it to them. Say, look, we could give you this. We could give you that. I could give you this because it's been given to me. And freely as I receive, freely I give. God's going to do greater things to you than he's done through me. Jesus says, greater things will you do than when I go to the Father. He's talking to his disciples. What about us? Greater things will they do, the ones that come under us. Our kids, we want them to do greater than us. And also the third one is inspiration. You see, these things cause you to be inspired. Hopefully you're getting a little bit of inspiration today. Inspiration. What I mean really by this is empowered and enabled by the Holy Ghost. Inspired by the Holy Spirit. You're illumined by the Holy Spirit. It takes the, the Holy Spirit to help you to impart and to be imparted unto you. But also it takes inspiration for you to live it out and for you to give it out. Our source of motivation is not by people circumstance or self but should be by God your motivation should be God motivated not man motivated 
not circumstantial motivation and not situational. It should be because God, once again, has inspired you to do his will. See, God is the source of our strength, the source of our power, the source of our wisdom. He will inspire us to turn to in turn inspire others. He will inspire us to in turn inspire others. See, Moses and Paul were Moses and Paul were inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak, to write, to write also to their own generation and to future generations. Moses wrote the book of the law, the five, first five books of the Bible. You see, Paul wrote the 13, 13 New Testament books, 12 for sure, 13 most likely if he wrote Hebrews. And then now it went just to those, not just to those generations, it's there for us today. It's been canonized, it's been put in the Bible. It's able to help us today. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's in the word. And it was written by Paul in that generation. But it still is a timeless saying. And it's a timeless truth today. They were inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak and to write to their own generation. And to generations, it would be able to be future to help others as well. The generation my dad's, my dad's in, it's still helping people today. And to this next generation, it passes on. We see he's speaking even at Teen Challenge for the 50th anniversary today. And it's amazing that it's been 50 years already since he first, you know, or, or close to 50 years when he first got saved. Amazing. To see how God has used him in all these years to do such great works for his glory. And how God has taken him and lifted him up and become an apostle to the nations. A drug addict, somebody that was counted out as lost hurting, messed up, but God chose him. When he tells us stories of when he felt like giving up and when he left the Teen Challenge and he left and he went to that cafeteria. Remember hearing that story? <laughs> he felt like shooting out. He was there for like from 11 to like 2 in the morning contemplating because he was hurt by Dave Wilkerson. But it took a person like Nick Cruz to go out of his way. Out of not because he had anything to gain by reaching out to my dad. My dad had no name, no reputation. He didn't see exactly what God had for him at that time, but he had a heart for the hurting. Went out of his way, looking everywhere he could to find him. And found him there at the cafeteria right on time before my dad was able to go back and, and commit that fix again. Because someone cared. Because someone went out of the way. Because someone was illumined by the Holy Ghost that they're called of God to reach out to hurting people. And they wanted to impart to somebody else that seemingly was worthless. But God knew. God had a plan. It's amazing to see what God is able to do with one that reaches one and that one reaching many. It's amazing to me. I could go on and on with example after example. And even people that now I can say I've touched, that God's using me to touch, and to see them today serving God. I remember Al Valdez, when he first came in, he was my sister's boyfriend, and I didn't want him for her. <laughs> I say, this guy, this guy, I want to just, this is my brother instincts, but I was a pastor, a youth pastor. And man, I, you know, it's like one of those guys, I didn't want him, I was praying him out of her life. Rather, I wasn't praying for him to get saved. <laughs> you know, but he, he, was, he came to youth service. And I was under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, speaking, preaching. All of a sudden, he came forward. He gave his heart to Jesus. 
And from that day, I didn't know what God had a great plan in his life, but that day he turned around and God began to use that young man. He started a Bible study, it began to grow. Then God began to raise him up. Then later on, sent him to the UTC. He got married with my sister. Sent him to the UTC. Start the UTC in the East Coast. That was part of the mission statement before it was even actually happened. We put it on our mission statement. Then he was the first to start it. But later on, all these other ones start. And then he comes back and he goes and helps with my dad. And then he gets raised up to take over that church. But I saw when he first got saved. I had a part in that. I imparted something there. I didn't realize it at the time. There's other people. I could go on and on with different stories. Philip Jr., I, got, I saw him when he got saved. He was always coming to youth service. I picked him up a lot for church and went for years when he wasn't even saved. I did it because I wanted to help him and I wanted to care for him, but the kid just never listened. He, he, his girlfriend would, be, she would come with him. His girlfriend would be all into it, and then he would say, like, don't listen to him. <laughs> but then later, God got a hold of him. Got saved on a Wednesday night. God raised him up. Now he's an international youth leader. I'm not giving glory to me. It's all the glory to God. But what if I wasn't faithful? What if I, you know, I would raise up someone else, but what if, what if I took something off course there by not fulfilling my plan, by not fulfilling my call, if I didn't want to show up to Wednesday nights, if I wanted to give it up? What, if, what would happen? I would throw something off, possibly. What could you throw off of God's plan if you don't fulfill what you need to do? The one that you need to reach. That one could be reaching many. Mm, someone has to catch that. You may not be the world leader, but someone that you reach could be a world leader. And that's just as important to God because you're faithful with what God has called you to be faithful to. Your kids could be great for God if you are imparting something good into them. I hope I'm inspiring somebody. See, the results of illumination, impartation, and inspiration produces a leader of impact, a leader of influence. The results of illumination, impartation, and inspiration produces a person of impact and influence. See, the definition of impact is striking, a striking together, a violent contact to produce changes, moving of the feelings. You know, it reminds me of Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, where it talks about the kingdom of heaven suffers violent, but the violence take it, violent take it by force. What better scripture for victory outreach than that? Come on, we used to be so violent. But now that we got saved, that violent spirit, that intensity is turned up for Jesus. And now we're no longer battling each other, battling the world and the flesh. But now we're battling in the spiritual realm. We're pushing back darkness. We're causing lives to be changed. We're going into the darkest places and reaching the treasures out of darkness and saying, listen, you could join with us because we have a mission. We have a vision. We have a destiny. God has given us back our dignity. We have a sense of belonging. We are a family. We are a people. We are a new generation. We are a royal priesthood our peculiar people God has called us to do great things and if God is able to change me he's able to change you listen let's go let's take let's come out of that area that you're in right now that place that you're in you become an impactful person and you are illumined that God has called you he called you by name everyone may not know your name but God knows your name nobody knows what you really have to offer until you begin to show it and begin to walk in it and begin to live by faith, not by sight. Listen, it's time to impact our generation, which includes your family, your friends, your foes, and your followers. Your family, your friends, 
foes, meaning your enemies, and your followers. We're called to impact people that we don't even like or they don't like us. Imagine that. Impacting people that don't like us, that happens too. You know, people could be sitting in your own church, if you're a pastor, they just don't like you, but they're called to be a part of your church. <laughs> I think there's one per every hundred. <laughs> the more people you got, so if you have a thousand people in your church, you're going to have about ten people that don't like you at least. I'm just, just a ratio that I guessed. You know, so it's good for you to have people that don't like you. It helps you grow. helps you change. Now, at the same time, you can even impact them eventually, the ones that don't like you. You know, there was a person, when I remember one time I was praying at the altar when I was in La Puente. I was praying for somebody. And uh, actually, praying at the altar, anointed, everything was going great. Until this one girl prayed for her, and I started laying hands on her. She was cold as ice. She was like, she just wasn't into it. <laughs> you ever did that before when you pray for somebody? They're just like, looking at you like that. And I go, are you okay? <laughs> I try to be nice. I put my heart, you okay? You want to say the same prayer? She goes, I don't like you. <laughs> I go, oh. I go, okay. I go, why? She goes, I just hate you. I don't know why I hate you. And I go, oh, that's crazy. I never felt that spirit of hate in the altar like that. And I just looked at her. I go, okay. You know what happened? She left that altar the same. But she came back about a year later. She had still been coming to church. I didn't really realize she was there, but she kept coming. Then she came back after a service as I got saved. I want you to know I'm sorry for saying what I said. And the way you responded to me that day, it kept haunting me every day after. Because you responded not with hate back, but you responded with the love that I needed. And I'm saved today because of people like you, an example that you, you let. Isn't that powerful? See, you don't respond with, with somebody hates you with hate. We're new creations. We don't come hate to hate. What we do is overwhelm with love. Because they really don't know what they're hating. They're hating the spirit behind us and within us. They're hating on and rejecting Jesus, not us. Can't take it personal. But the, at the same time, we've got to begin to over, overcome and overwhelm them with the love that Jesus is able to give us and able to use us with. That's impactful impacting a generation, striking this generation, violent contact with love, with power, with an anointing. Definition of influence, we're almost done. The power of persons or things to affect others. The power of persons or things to affect others. Seen only in its effects to exert or have influence on, have an effect on nature. Also, behavior, development, action, or thought. Leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. John Maxwell wrote that in Irrefutable Laws. Influence, without influence, we are not leaders. What type of influence am I talking about? Either bad, good, or godly, or, you know, or great leadership. See, the opposite of good, of bad, of course. In which direction is your influence headed with, within the church? Are you flowing with the current of your church or your senior leader, your senior leadership? What are you teaching? Who, where are you going? Which way are you headed? Are you following the leader? It's important that you follow your leader. It's important that you follow your pastor. It's important that you follow those that are leading you. 
because that's the flow that God wants to take you in. It's important that you submit yourself. It's important that because through submission comes power. Through submission comes an anointing. Through a covering, being under a covering flows blessing. And that's what this church provides. This church provides that. Your leader has a, is dedicated to do what God's called her to do. Hello, somebody. Your pastor, if you're a pastor, you're called, to, you're dedicated to lead the people the right way. And God blesses that. God anoints that. And God will use that. I believe we're living in the end times. I'm closing with this. Someone come to the piano. I believe we're ending in this end times right now. And as God is raising up his army, the devil is turning up the heat. And somebody say, that's true. <laughs> Leadership quality of yesterday will not work for tomorrow's world. We must continually prepare ourselves for this end time harvest. See, God is calling us to greatness. Let's move from poor to good, from good to great. Let's begin to do what God has called us to do with everything inside of us. Let's take it to the next level, Victor Average. Let's take it to the next level. Amen? Let's all stand. Now lift your hands to the Lord. God of this city, you're the king of these people, you're the Lord of these nations, you are, you're the light in this darkness, you're the hope to the hopeless, you're the key to the restless, you are, oh, thank you Jesus, and there is no one like God, God. Let's worship Him. Hallelujah. There is no one like God, God. If you want to come to the altar, the altars are open. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. And greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. Greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. Oh, hallelujah. And greater things are yet to come greater things are still to be done in this city greater things and there is no one like God come on and there is no one like God More passion, more inspiration. More of you, Lord Jesus. More of you, God. Less of us. More of your anointing. More of your power. More of your presence. Oh, la ba la ba la ba shanda la ba. Greater things 
things are still to be done in this city. Oh, we want to be great for you. Great greater for you. things, greater things are yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in this city. Seek him with all your heart. There is no one like God. 